This podcast covers sensitive topics. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. We may also discuss major serious spoilers, so be warned. Procedural generation. Hello, and welcome to Procedural Veneration, an untrue crime podcast where we talk about, rate, and goof on all the crime procedurals you've watched way too many times. As always, I'm your co-host, Hank. And I'm Daphne. Using our highly scientific evaluation system, we will weave our way through dark back alleys and dirty crime scenes to definitively answer the question, which crime procedural is the best, and how many spin-offs of popular procedurals are we willing to sift through? So far, still just one on that answer. <laughs> but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. How long it takes before we're delving into the weird ones. Today we're talking about CSI, Crime Scene Investigation, which is, I believe, one of the most popular. I mean, it's not technically as popular as Law & Order for all intents and purposes, but I find it to be more of a household name than Law & Order is. I don't know about you, Daphne. Yeah, I mean, I grew up with CSI. I love CSI. I'm a CSI diehard. So for me, CSI is, you know, quintessential crime procedural. Yeah, and here I am doing the episode about CSI. CSI is a CBS crime drama, although uh, it almost wasn't several times. It depicts Las Vegas crime scene investigators who essentially function like science cops. Hell yeah. Uh, Yeah, I believe they're part of the LVPD, but they basically act like they aren't. And then their cop buddy, Brass, uh, plays the main cop role then in the course of the show. The show ran from 2001 to 2015, making it the first show we're covering that has officially ended. Although there's a bit of a caveat to that, which we'll get to. Uh, It also learned learned a large amount of acclaim and backlash during its run. The show won six primetime Emmys. You bet it did. Oh yeah. Uh, Along with like 60 odd random miscellaneous awards. At the time of its cancellation, it had reached the spot of seventh longest scripted running primetime television series, which I believe is the same categories that Law and & Order and Law and & Order SVU hold the first and second spots for. That is true. Yeah, or at least Law & Order did before it was canceled. It was also the most watched television show for six years in a row. I believe it's from about 2002 to 2008. And that made it the show to have been the most watched show for more years than any other show. And at least half of those views were from me after school every day. Wow, I didn't know that you were three million people. (laughs) (laughs) You can ask my parents, they'll tell you (laughs) how much CSI I watched. Early on in our relationship, I feel like you talked a lot about CSI. Most of what I know about CSI comes from that. Yeah, as like a, I want to say middle school schooler my parents more or less had to stage an intervention because i was dvring episodes of c like reruns of csi that were airing on i think like i don't know spike or something (laughs) and after school i would sit there and i'd watch at least four episodes of csi that i'd recorded on dvr that occurred while i was at school and then there was like episodes of csi miami that would occur um like right after that in like its normal run slot Oh, it was it was a delightful time. But my parents did um, delete all my DVRs eh, and tell me that I needed to stop watching so much CSI. And I did, weirdly <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, and then I became a productive member of society. 
I can confirm it's about the right timeline for Daphne starting to be way more productive. <laughs> your your whole family got, or at least you you and your siblings got majorly addicted to NCIS a couple of years ago as well. That was very weird. Basically, every time I'd come over, you were just watching NCIS on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> which I used to think was related to CSI, which I know that is not, but, you know, didn't know that back then. So moral uh, of the story, I love CSI. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to be an interesting one. My experience with CSI is much more limited. It comes down to, I've seen one episode before just now, or before watching these episodes, and I had also been to a production at the local university, which I was unable to find any, any details about, where it was like the, the their production company basically put on a traveling show. It mainly targeted at elementary to middle schoolers, where they go over some of the details, like fingerprinting, DNA matching, etc., that are really important to crime scene investigation, and then basically have it's sort of like a stage magic show essentially uh they also got a volunteer from the from the audience and then dressed them up as like a hippie kid i don't remember what to what end that was but weirdly enough i also went to the same production (laughs) um before i knew hank (laughs) Um, but i didn't go to the one with the hippie kid i believe it was an adult from the audience that they had be a suspect there was a, a magician's assistant was murdered during like this staged magic show and so then the csi people came in and taught us all about science while under the guise of investigating this murder that had happened right in front of us. It was amazing. I remember liking it and also being, I mean, I watched several other crime procedurals at that time, especially like Monk, uh, and then having no desire to watch CSI. (laughs) Um, So I guess it didn't work on me, but you know, I learned about fingerprints. Uh, CSI is very known for focusing on the grisly details that lead to help solve the crime, hence, you know, investigating the crime scene, uh, moreover than interpersonal drama or getting confessions or people related to it. It's really focused on, you know, here's the crime scene and this bullet must have entered from over here where this, you know, school or this uh, fast food joint is that sort that makes it pretty unique in that regard. I mean, that that comes up in other cop shows, but there's not really a time where the first the first thing they do is interrogate everyone, right? Because <laughs> that's somebody else's job. <laughs> yeah, I I had written down that if you made a word cloud of the most spoken words in a CSI episode, it would probably be like the biggest ones would probably be like crime scene, but also like semen. <laughs> and uh particles (laughs) they really really love to touch on uh, bodily fluids in this show they talk about them all the time send them in for lab results ask for swabs it's amazing yeah the effectively the equipment and the process is a character in csi which uh for better or for worse Stephanie really likes it i i'm less intent intent on it the show has also been criticized as the most unwatchable primetime show for families, largely because of its vivid depiction of sexual fetishes, uh, including but not limited to BDSM, infantilism, biting, furries, blood play, snake play, and clown stuff. I've seen at least half of those, I think. That's very funny to me. The The clown stuff one was definitely the weirdest, which is why I put it at the end there to <laughs> punctuate it. In addition to being criticized, it also has some legal ramifications as well with the CSI effect as it's known it has led to judges and juries having 
a higher expectation of crime scene investigators and has also seemingly promoted an uptick in prosecutors, including DNA evidence or uh, other things that are as seen on TV effectively to make their cases stronger. Generally, I think I think a lot of CSIs and prosecutors see this as not very good because those forms of evidence are very, you know, loosey-goosey. It's just because somebody had evidence or, or just because somebody had somebody else's DNA on them does not mean that they're related to the killer, right? Or that that was the killer, right? So it sort of puts a, a weird position where this show has possibly done bad things to the U.S. judicial system. Irreparable harm, really. <laughs> irreparable harm. It's done irreparable harm to my mind. So. I blame Lawrence Fishburne personally. Yeah, he could have ended the show at any point. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Fishburne has secretly been pulling the strings of CBS to make sure this show got made. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, the show was initially offered to ABC, then NBC, then Fox, and before CBS finally picked up on it. Disney was actually one of the primary funders for the production of this, and then they pulled out when it ended up on CBS because they own ABC, which is sort of a a bit of a conflict with their major crime procedurals that were going on at the time. It did not have a lot of faith put into it. It was actually bolstered by a different show called Fugitive, or it was placed after that show, which was expected to do a lot better. But from the get-go, the show was really popular in season one, so they very rapidly ended up moving it to have its own you know, slot where it could bolster other shows effectively. I I don't know. I, I was kind of impressed that, I, I don't know, in the 2000s that people were like, yes, more crime procedurals. That's what I need in my life right now. But I guess that's sort of true of nowadays too, right? Yeah, me personally writing to CBS <laughs> to ask for more CSI after school hours. Yeah, Mr. Broadcasting. <laughs> Please put more of that guy on CSI. <laughs> The series also has had three main leads, which it's also sort of famous for. As we've already said, Lawrence Fishburne was the second. The initial one, Gil Grissom, played by William Peterson. He was written off after his character reunited with his wife, who I believe is also a series regular. He was written off and replaced by Dr. Ray Langston, who is a criminology professor. His entire duration, the show has a weird undertone or a weird through line of this serial killer who he is obsessed with or just, you know, is just present in his life. He wrote a paper about him. He wrote a paper (laughs) about him, yeah. I I think he literally is giving a lecture on this guy's past killings when they they meet him. That guy ends up, you know, showing up in the show. Surprise, surprise. He also, he kidnaps and assaults Ray's ex-wife, which leads to Ray murdering him. And then Raymond is let go after a season finale cliffhanger. Uh, And then D.B. Russell, played by Ted Danson, is brought in, who is sort of supposed to repair the team after they're brought they're broken by Ray's betrayal of the law and then D.B. Russell remained the main character or pseudo lead for the rest of the runtime of the show uh the color grading on the show sucks it's awful <laughs> it's miserable the show is like neon blue all the time and it just hurts to watch at times I would say just uh the CSI Miami is neon orange regular CSI is kind of like a almost like a neon gray if that's possible it's like it's like both blue and green yeah and I then think, I think NY is New York is actually, actually like neon gray or neon blue yeah 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 I think I think New York kind of co-ops with blue I, I'm not just talking like they're like they're theme the and promotional colors them, yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm talking about the actual grading of it it's their lab is very which is actually a i believe northrop grumman uh you know a, a arms manufacturer tech lab that they used for the first couple seasons before they eventually had enough money to just build their own set that's and, pretty cool yeah uh, it's interesting <laughs> But it also sort of establishes like, yep, this feels like a place where weapons are made. (laughs) 
I love the color uh, filtering, honestly. I think Ugh. it gives it a big, a nice, fun aura. I think I could handle either the color filtering or all of the shots of just a progress bar on a screen as DNA is sequenced or a, you know, a fingerprint matching software that is super unintuitive and stupid. Uh, I could handle one or the other, but I cannot handle both of them. So what's your review? My ultimate review is that... This show generally, I wrote a bit of a longer one for this, show generally seems like they, they have experts and remain true to the CSI process, but that just kind of ends up being a little bit boring. Uh, there's kind of a different a difference between using them as narrative devices and just making showing of this 3D printer looking thing that vials are going into, making that a whole two minute sequence on the show where nobody's talking and it's just, look at the science happening. I feel like the show, the narrative really leans into those. My ultimate rating is probably gonna be a solid six i think based on based on that so slightly worse than law and order yeah i think slightly worse than law and order for me um i said that csi is a semi-professional microbiologist wet dream with all the science bullshit galore so i give it an eight out of ten personally for me as someone who does microbiology but doesn't specifically do like csi stuff there's enough plausible deniability for me to sit there and be like oh my gosh that's so exciting is that how that actually works <laughs> and just imagine like the cool tech that they they're playing with even if it's just speculative like i think it's very very fun, but I don't know enough to be like, oh, that's so much bullcrap. I feel like I'm in a really sweet spot where I like can be entranced by the cool science without being um, uh, saddened by how phony it is. I think for me, I can tell how I'm going to like a procedural a lot based on the type of experts they have in. For example, the one of the undercurrents in Castle, which is a favorite procedural of mine, is their crime board and how it progresses throughout. And that's like the thing they bring in experts for. So effectively, they bring in experts on writing interesting mysteries to have this develop out uh, both both in a way that makes sense for an active investigation and for the narrative versus here, it feels like all their experts are basically you know, CSI nerds who are presenting their best case scenario and not the scenarios where, yeah, this DNA is useless, <laughs> right? I respect your opinion, um, even though you don't love it as much as me. Um, we'll have to come to an agreement, though, at the end. So we'll see if we can sway each other. Yeah, I'll, I'll say I could I could probably binge more of this than I could Law & Order. I think I'd, I'd be more likely to, to finish a season and then be like, yeah, sure. Well, let's get into our first mini game. Heck yeah. All right. So we're going to start out with trivia. I just have a couple questions. I think I have five questions here. Be ready to tell your points. All right. So first off, why did ABC pass on the show when it was offered to them before CBS? Did they think that the science would be too inaccessible? That is essentially exactly correct. They thought that it would be Hell too yeah. confusing for the average viewer, which is wild because the science isn't really, I mean, it's, it's explained, right? Like yeah. that's, I thought that was really funny, especially given the most, the most popular procedural that was on right was law and order which is you know pretty complicated yeah, <laughs> in terms of procedurally yeah. right yeah it's got the oh silence is too hard let's throw them into the judicial system yeah exactly and then just kind of throw stuff out there that doesn't match with what people think the judicial system is like right yeah uh, all right well you got that point handily nice work thank you my second question for you is that after william peterson left john malkovich was initially offered the lead role and almost took it but he decided not to after talking with what actor was it lawrence fishburne no no that'd be very funny but no it 
this actor is a procedural related actor. Mm, are they in Law and Order? No. Mm, is, is it an actor I know? Yes, it is an actor you know. It's an actor we've mentioned before on this show. Is it Nathan Fillion? No. I, I feel like I can't give you a clue because you already gave me a clue about this guy before. Oh, is it Michael Bloomberg? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's not in Law and Order. He's not in Law and Order, no. But we've mentioned him before. Mentioned him before on this show. I believe he was the answer to a trivia oh, question. Oh, uh, the CSI NYC dude. Yeah. Oh. What's his name? Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure you, you, you gave it to me for say, for saying a role that this guy is in. Yeah, so. he's Lieutenant Dan. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Gary Sinai, the yeah, CSINY guy. Yep, uh, I just thought that was funny that it was related to yeah. that because you, you made that trivia question. But yeah, apparently uh, John Malkovich was was almost accepted it and then he, he talked to both Gary Sinai and William Peterson and decided that the 10-month shoot was not for him, which is like, fair enough. Don't bog yourself down with that, right? I don't know. <laughs> Good for you, Gary. He's really in there. All right, so the third question. What is the DB in oh, Ted Danson's is it, character DB Russell is stand word, for? Yes. Is it like deputy? It is one word. Yes. It is, I'll say it's a German word. So if you can get in the ballpark of what this word, I'll, I'll give you the name or the, the German word. The, his name is Diebenkorn, uh, D-I-E-B-E-N-K-O-R-N, which if you can tell me Corn. roughly what that translates to, then I'll give you the point. Uh, um, no, I'm not, corn's too crime? easy. I'm not going to give you that. Kind of, yeah. Well, if you if you got the other part of it with crime, then I would give the first part sort of crime related, and the second part is something else. D i e b e n k o r n Diebenkorn. So the crime's not eater? far off, but if you try to guess, okay. follow that path. No, I'm not gonna give it to you. It's it's Diebenkorn. A deep is a thief, so it's a, a it, and corn is like grain. It's not like. Not like you know, I think I think back when the yeah, English yeah. was forking off, corn was more generic than what it is now. <laughs> so it means thieves' grain. Which is, I don't. I thought it was interesting that they had a full German word in there for DB. I don't know. Nobody really yeah. asked, as far as I could tell. He's always just called Russell. So I, you know, I haven't. Well, we didn't see any episodes. <laughs> they're not the median. Really, they're not too good. So. They're not too bad. They're not. They're not the median either. So for this one, this one's the one that I thought you would definitely get. Although you might not. We'll see. Much like the beloved Law and Order franchise, CSI has spawned a healthy number of spin-offs. One, how many spin-offs are there? And for a bonus point, can you name all of them? There is a potential bonus point in this if you somehow miraculously know this are really obscure thing that I don't think is even technically correct. Go ahead. Are there there, okay. there are four official CSI spin-offs. There is one show that I could not find any actual relation to from a different country that has CSI colon before it. I, I think it's basically inspired yeah. by, I don't know if they paid any royalties to use that or if they yeah. even had to in a different country. Yeah. So so New go York, ahead and tell, tell me Miami, the, the American uh, spinoffs. Is New Orleans one? Mm, international? No, I, I believe cyber takes place in New Orleans. No, it's Daphne. If you tried to list the places, major cities that yes. aren't already oh, covered I in CSI lose. shows, yes. is it like a? Lose. This is this is a show that started in two thousand twenty one. This is this is a show that started in two thousand twenty. Is it like CSI? It's very recent. Is it a type of crime? Oh, it is a city. No, no, you. It is a city name. Oh, okay. Yes. However, well, it's part of a city name. However, if you guessed all the places that there are already CSI shows, you would lose. Or if you guessed all the places that aren't already God. CSI shows, <laughs> it is CSI Vegas. <laughs> they they created it again. I guess I don't really know the full details of that. I figured it'd be more interesting to save that in case we really need to dig deep later. Uh, maybe maybe yeah. <laughs> in a few years once there's a few more. I wish I should it, say you know? for context, CSI <laughs> regular really, takes place yes, in Las Vegas. Yeah. 
Yes, we mentioned that earlier, but yes, CSI does take place in Las Vegas. It's very thematic that way. The last one there, I've completely skipped it. So it is not a place name. The the CS are both represented in the in the sub sub name of this, and the last one is last word is a starts with a T and is very unintuitive. But it is CSI colon crime scene Tunisia. something. You know what? Can you give me what country? Uh, is it France? No, no, not Tunisia. It's, it's not a Western. <laughs> uh, no, Japan. it's it's it not a Western Japan. country. CSI crime scene talks. Pretty it is from Japan. Like CSI crime scene I talks. Pretty wild. Oh, yeah, you get the point for that question. I'm not going to give you the bonus for, for, good. for <laughs> yeah. about CSI crime scene talks. <laughs> so you're at three out of four now. All right. So then here's the last main trivia question for this. Then, So the showrunners originally began to write off Grissom's character during an arc in season three when he develops a disease. Despite original plans for him to enter retirement due to this disorder, they scrapped this when many fans wrote in, informing them that the condition is very commonly fixed via routine surgery. What disease or condition is it? Is not arthritis. It does have to do with bones, but you would uh, probably go down the wrong wrong path with that. I mean, it sounds a lot like osteoporosis. I'll also take like what's what is the the broader what is the broader meaning of it's not a type of cancer. What's the broader like symptom of of this disorder? Is I would also assume. (laughs) Yeah, they had they had let Grissom go for too many shakes. No, I think that I think that's that's enough. His mother in, in universe also has this, and he mm-hmm. knows sign language because of it. It's autosclerosis, which is a disorder in which the, a bone in the ear grows initially with soft tissue, but then it hardens and effectively makes you lose the abil- ability to hear over time. So I would have also accepted hearing loss. But then yeah. a bunch of fans were like, "Hey, you just get this surgery." Yeah. <laughs> so Imagine writing like, oh, before well, the okay. internet, am I right? Which I, right. <laughs> Right. And then like, that's like the early days of WebMD when it probably would have been quite available to people had they just used that. It's also funny because yeah. Grissom's character ended up staying for another six seasons. Yeah. <laughs> so they were going to write him out and then he just gets surgery. And he's like, all right, I'm back. <laughs> okay. This is a, ga- a new game to the show that I'd like to call Who Has More Episodes? So this, notably in long-running crime procedurals, there are some actors who have an absurd amount of episodes. In long-running crime procedurals where they let people go or people leave over time, which is pretty much all of them, sometimes you can wonder, hey, who has more episodes? So that's what we're aiming to tackle here. So I have three rounds of this ready. Uh, I'm going to start us off with our secondary series leads, Ted Danson as D.B. Russell versus Lawrence Fishburne as Dr. Raymond Mike. I want to say they were both who has more episodes? Is that wrong? I don't feel like it's good for me to you know you know Doctor Langston is there for effectively like full season so that's your final answer okay that is incorrect Ted Danson as D.B. Russell has eighty four episodes versus Lawrence Fishburne as Raymond Langston sixty one episodes I believe that Lawrence Fishburne is there for about three and a half seasons my head oh you know he probably comes back a couple times and they're like all in the finale too so I think he's there for two and a half seasons. I did think about that. It's a, it's like a feature length two parter. It's called. Oh, that was one of my one pilot? of my unused trivia questions. But you know what the finale is called? It's CSI. <laughs> it's not pilot. <laughs> That's okay. a good name. Of um, a, it is CSI Immortality. It's, yeah, I know they they burnt it on the finale. I guess they really wanted to attract attention on it. It was really confusing because every time I went to the episode listing on IMDb, it would go to season <laughs> unknown, <laughs> immortality, immortality, like two parter because it's a two part episode. That's just how they categorized it. But it has like its own IMDb listing. So it was like a movie essentially. Too. I, I don't really understand that. 
Yeah, it's like a feature movie, and then like, yeah, we should watch it. So everything's in peril, kind of. Thing. All right. Yeah, we should. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do a bonus episode on that. All right. So I'm gonna jump over to two yeah. characters who are in pretty much the entire show. They're these are not really main characters; they're kind of side characters. I have Eric Zamanda yes, as Greg yes, Sanders, I believe the tech who hits on what's her face Sarah during the um, during the episodes that we saw. Yeah. So he does like a lot of nerd shit in the in the show. Yeah. Versus Robert David oh. Hall as Chief Emmy Al Robbins. So creepy weird weirdo tech or cool uh, as a cucumber. I think it's gotta be the night tech because I feel like there's examiner. gotta be a couple at least a couple episodes where the night examiner's not in. There's a couple episodes that, that I'll, I'll say the person who has more has two episodes fewer oh. than the highest episodes actor. So these are these are these are ranked two and three for actors in uh, CSI episodes. Okay, so then I'm going to change my answer. And their their differential the, is five the here. Okay, I'm God glad I, I led you astray there because it is Greg Sanders, the tech, <laughs> who is in 333 episodes, uh, whereas Chief Emmy Who's Al Robbins is only in 328 episodes. <laughs> Okay, that is okay, actually okay. my bonus question at the end is of this the round. So we'll hold off there for a second. Okay. Um, you can probably. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. My third and final question here. Mm-hmm. We have Georgia Fox as CSI Sarah Seidel with her Sarah's husband, in William Peterson, as Dr. Gil Grissom. See, that's what, what I thought you would say, which is why I put it in here because I was incorrect. Uh, Sarah is in 299 episodes. Did she, like, come episodes. back? I believe she... 199 episodes. I believe she fully comes back. Um, I don't know if they're if like she and Gil are still together because yeah. he leaves the show to be with her, and then she's just like, like I'm on the show something. now, so I don't know what Gil's up to. Um, I think they like yeah. go do some, they go do ocean stuff. I think they do ocean botany and stuff. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I was kind of surprised to see. I guess she like comes back full time for a few seasons later on. I actually thought that you you said that, so that's why I included it in here. I thought it would be a, having stayed for a longer chunk but left for good versus yeah. having left earlier and come back later who had more. But I mean, that's only 296 is only 39 Which episodes is fewer than the most. <laughs> Yeah, well, so she's only gone for um, a total Gil season and a half. Gil is more liked character than Sarah. Absolutely, but he's prob- probably more expensive there- therefore, and also probably it's likely that you know Georgia Fox goes out, and does some other stuff, and is like you know I'll do I'll do some more CSI versus William Peterson having left the lead role is not really able to come back as long as Lawrence Fishburne or um, Ted Danson are there, and you know he might not even wanted to, right? So it just comes down to, to their availability. But it is weird that they essentially write 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 the characters out together, and then one of them comes back. All right, now I'm gonna. You have not gotten any of these, so but it has spawned some good discussion mm-hmm. on their names. So I think this is a pretty good game to go forward with. But now I do have a bonus point up for the most episodes of any actor on CSI. Uh, if you can name, is it the um, FB? The dude it is that not the blonde that wasn't hitting on her. I can't remember his name. Uh, you should know this character's oh, name. So I definitely wrote the, the wrong last officer? name because I wrote Seidel again. Nick! That's no, it's yeah, not. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's Sorry, that's who I was describing, but I couldn't think of it's what his Nick. name yeah, was. Yeah, of course, it's Nick. Sorry, that's who I was describing. Oh, is are you? Oh, okay. Well, you, you described the, the guy <laughs> yeah. that you should have done on her, and it's like, I mean, I guess. It's <laughs> because Greg is the one that actually hits on here. But yeah, uh, CSI Nick, Nick Stokes is in it for 335 episodes, which is basically the entire runtime of the show. I assume he's got several episodes I've got to interrupt for you various sister. reasons. Yeah, but, um, no, I have to unlock some trauma here. Yeah, go ahead. And it's that there is an episode where Nick gets kidnapped 
and buried alive by a serial killer. And I don't remember who the lead is. In my head, like, Lawrence Fishburne and Gail are both equally plausible. But the whole episode is him, like, slowly running out of oxygen. And then the serial killer has, like, a given him, like, a walkie-talkie or something. Or, like, something of the sort so that the team can listen to him die, essentially. It's very, very messed up. And I saw, like, 90% of this episode. And then... (laughs) This was actually the episode where my parents imposed the embargo on CSI, and it was while I was watch- actively watching this episode, and I never got to see the last, like, <laughs> ten minutes of it, and it's haunted me. I never found out how Nick got saved. We should have watched the episode. We should just watch that, then. Yeah, it's oh, a messed boy, up episode. Awful. I've never forgotten about it. Awful. Yeah, we we should we should go watch that like tomorrow. And we're, we're, <laughs> but we're, like, I, so I just needed to um, unload this really quick that I have trauma related to Nick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's pretty rough. So, so yeah, it's just a blot, a blot I, I wanted so badly to know how we got saved, and I never found out. As yeah. far as I knew, he died, yeah. <laughs> and that I was just watching reruns yeah, in which he it. hadn't died yet. This isn't Law and Order. We don't kill off characters except for the one they killed. This isn't Law and Order. We don't kill off characters except for the one they killed off in the episode we Let's watched. Let's the episodes that we watched. Yes. Our median episode this time around was season yes. two, episode 11, Organ Grinder, um, which is a fun name. Uh, didn't really end up having to do a whole lot with what was going on. <laughs> Pretty much what happens is um, they find a dude collapsed in the elevator of a casino, I think, and they take him to the hospital because he's still breathing, but they find out that he's been brain dead. And so then while they're figuring out that this is suspicious because this man was redressed and he was put in the elevator. His widow, or I guess now widow, signs off on harvesting his organs. Donating his organs. Donating is the preferred An organ harvester. <laughs> I am too. Harvesting. But, um, anywho, so, uh, yeah, so his organs get donated, and then his body gets cremated at the behest of his widow, while they're still figuring out that there is some foul play involved. And so the rest of the episode is spent trying to figure out, use the power of science, to figure out whether it was the wife that caused his death, or if it was his secretary that caused the death. Yes. Who they find out had gone to his hotel room, discovered him brain dead on the bed, and then in the interest of his dignity, I believe is the reason she gave, she dressed him, put him in the yeah. And we can we can say blood. like so at it's, the it's end, definitely it a weird episode that um, the wife and the secretary were actually working together, and this one doesn't end in a conviction. They get away because the wife and secretary have been working together, yeah. and they've done this before. Previously, the secretary had a husband. Yeah, and the wife was the secretary, and then that person died under mysterious circumstances, and they got all of his money. And so now they're running that scheme again, except this time the wife caught feelings and didn't want to kill him, but she did anyway. Yeah, well, the secretary the, shampoo, the secretary was yeah. poisoning him Metal with... Poison. Uh, they point the blame at each other, so, there's, yeah, so Metal they're poisoning. both equally guilty, yeah. culpable, yeah. And so they can't prove that culpable. both of them... They don't have enough evidence to prove that both of them did yeah. it. Right. Yeah, effectively, the, the, judicial, the judicial system is like, well, they're not both going to get convicted of doubt. it, and they're just going to point the blame at each other and have reasonable re- doubt enough to not get a conviction, so we're just not pursuing it. Yeah, it's interesting. There's also an emotional scene between Sarah and Gil 
where I, I was very shocked to find out that these two were together yeah, because yeah, it was I think very it's before they're together. Mentee, which you know it might be before they're together, but regardless, yeah, I agree. Regardless, yeah. it's still very mentor mentee, right? Yeah, I agree. Where yeah. Gil is like, you know, you can't win them all, right? Ultimately, the fact that they're getting away with this is a symptom of the fact that our judicial system tries not to make mistakes, right? Which is like fair enough. <laughs> and then Sarah's like, but they did yeah. it. And also fair enough, I guess. It's messed up. And then Sarah's like, are, are, what, what if they do it again? And my thought is, well, if they do it again and they're both still in in the picture with, with a third guy, they're probably going to get convicted. <laughs> Which isn't ideal, but like surely that that's better than then like, oh, they can do it a third time without any problem. I've seen So I Married Next. <laughs> yeah, I thought, I thought it was a fun plot. Um, I thought the premise was fun. <laughs> yeah. And I liked how it didn't work out in the end. And I liked that yeah. there's some level of incompetency that was built into the plot, which I thought was funny, where it's like everyone except for the CSIs are not doing a great job. <laughs> Oh, God. I forgot. Some of the tech they use in this is also a 3D recreation of when the wife had shot the husband who was murdered in the in the penis before because she found out he was cheating on her. And then he came home and apologized and she was waiting for him and she shot him in the penis. But they did a 3D recreation <laughs> of it that just looked like the video game super hot <laughs> and, you know, played out like the video game super hot because that's generally like how that goes, <laughs> I uh, which was it. very entertaining to me. <laughs> it was... It was great. It was so unnecessary. And it was I think they do that in Bones, too. Well, I can't wait to hear you see some of that, hopefully. Well, I can't um, wait to hear you see some of that, hopefully. Um, that I liked, like, um, I don't believe any investigation for the dead is worth hurting the living. Um, which was really, that was a good old Nick line. Love Nick. Um, one of the subplots is that they're trying to get this guy's organs back so that they can test them for metal poisoning. Uh, so they can know the dosage and over what amount of time. Yeah. To help build their case but the organs have already gone out yeah. and so they have to go to all the people who got his organs and yeah. ask to take a biopsy of it well <laughs> yeah well they only you say the all the people they go to one um, guy so, <laughs> nick, so he tells nick that he's that doesn't want to give up his organ you know he, like he yeah. just got it doesn't want to get opened up again yeah. yeah, and so like it opened up uh, again he's just so nice things. to him and says that he wants to call off the request for biopsy because, yeah. you know, I don't believe any investigation for the dead is worth hurting the living. And you're like, go you, Nick. And then at the end, the guy dies. Well, yeah, he, he basically says that, oh, I found out that my I'm rejecting my kidney, so go ahead and cut me open. Yeah, there's like, another so, one. like a like, weirdly oh. emotional subplot going on. <laughs> Yeah, I was genuinely sick. It kind of demonstrated to me why Nick is a solid series lead for one of these shows where they swap people out, right? So I I just like, oh yeah, Nick's got got emotional core This episode has this, but the show in general has this, which is gratuitous sex recreations. Yes. (laughs) Which is probably why, you know, it's not an incredibly family-friendly crime show. No, there was, yeah. Yeah. No, there was, yeah. It turns out the husband and wife were the ones who had been uh, doing it in the hotel room the husband rented because he was finally putting aside his infidelity and trying to rekindle their marriage, and the wife was very happy with this. And Wait, they did show flashbacks of the sex multiple times. They showed, yes, they, thank you. <laughs> they showed flashbacks of them going at it pretty passionately. That was not in a very yeah. Prime that is the case for a lot of episodes, opinion, by the way. That's not but, specific you know. to organ grinder. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, <laughs> at the end of this, I did write that the main character, whose name is Gil, as I now know, uh, is a thesis delivery system based on this episode because he just talks about sometimes you don't get them all. And he also speaks in riddles. And they literally yeah, reference cool. Sarah Quite mentions, is this one of your riddles? This is the episode at the very end of it. Very weird. <laughs> this episode is like also very house. boring, by the way. Because they actively show them, like, taking out the guy's organs and, like, messing with them. And at one point, they put some piece of organ in a blender. I don't remember what. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Once, yeah, they, like, oh, yeah, I think because the they, they, they dig up the body of the husband who was blend his previously liver, murdered. And then blend his liver <laughs> to find out the... the he was poisoned by metal and he was weirdly enough but it was this was the primary sequence of this episode where it was like science 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 yeah but it was a pretty gory one one in at least every episode i think it was very gory yeah just using a run-of-the-mill blender to blend somebody yeah i wrote down that csi is probably where i got my stomach for science gore (laughs) because uh yeah there's a lot of that in this one Anyway, yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah that was, that I liked was it. whatever I liked it that episode's called, fun. Organ Grinder. <laughs> I liked it too. Yeah. It was fine. Uh, it wasn't very impressive, but it was fine. The next up, we have the worst episode, though. This is season nine, episode 18. This is the 200th episode, which they make very clear to you in the beginning. This episode is called mm-hmm. Mascara, or Mascara, however you want to pronounce it. It opens on a very special intro, not the usual Who Are You by The Who which is a bop and a good intro. It, it is a loud, intense drum, as well as a series of rings of fire that keep burning to life around. Bizarre. Bizarre. This yeah. is then bizarre, yeah. And then it cuts to a luchador ring where two Mexican wrestlers are actively wrestling and a young woman is in the crowd drinking and appears to have been drugged. And then she wanders out and is followed by a very creepy looking luchador wanders off the off of the streets where all the cars are and then she gets picked up yeah, and killed by this yep. i would like to preface uh, the rest of your description the description with yep. i wrote down that this is the grad school episode <laughs> <laughs> the grad school episode the yeah. mexican wrestler episode the both episodes yeah, yeah. This episode is is tied very closely with with Ray Langston, Lawrence Fishburne's character. This is, I think, his ninth episode. It is pretty much all about him. It doesn't really have a whole lot else for the other characters to do because the victim was a former grad student of Ray, who who he was his, her PI or her thesis sponsor, basically. And he left yeah, her to as go a current grad student. I'd like to talk about this for a second, uh, which is. <laughs> Um, he's positioned as, like, probably, like, a top academic in, um, this field of, like, criminology, and he has, like, this grad student that he's been working with, but he tells her that he's gonna stop being a professor and instead go be a CSI. He also is, like... Don't tell me your thesis ideas. I'm, you know, passing you off on someone else. And then he explicitly says, I'm not passing you off, just passing you off on someone else. <laughs> but he, he is. Um, and I just thought it was funny from, like, a grad student perspective of, like, wow, this dude's a shit advisor, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, like, refuses to listen to her yeah, um, I don't... research ideas. And then, like, tells her at this meeting that I'm going to, you know, you no longer have a job, essentially. Because <laughs> that's the way these things work. Like, your funding comes through your professor. Well, through your project, but your project's usually through your professor. And so it's like absolutely bonkers how rude he's being to this lady right now, in my opinion. Uh, And then she dies because he wouldn't read her thesis. (laughs) Yep. 
Yeah, basically, she had been writing a thesis on unsolved mysteries and got too close to one of said unsolved mysteries. And specifically, it was an unsolved mystery about a series of young women who were they all, were strangled I believe they had their necks slit, right, by... They were strangled with, okay, they were strangled to death by somebody in Albuquerque, and these were never solved. As it turns out, it was an older luchador who is associated with this, who is now the announcer. Also, I believe the most famous person in the, or most famous guest appearance in this episode, so big surprise there. Uh, always leaning <laughs> into that one. First it's Logan Paul, now it's this guy. <laughs> uh, and she is then murdered by him he claims to have been acting through a the a god of wrath or a god of violence and there's points where he goes to a rum spiritual celebration thing we're led to believe that those are harmful to his psyche and make him feel connected to this fictional character who is the embodiment of these murders that he does and he's like that wasn't me yeah it's honestly like three things happen um if they had just tightened it up like oh my god like the the intro of the lady running away from the luchador man took an eternity very long because because it took an eternity, you saw her just run away from all populated areas. Granted, she was drugged and hallucinating, but like, just like you just saw, you didn't know that, right? You weren't really that we weren't we were experiencing a normal her normal perception in that moment, and it was just sort of running away from all civilization. And yep, get followed down an alley and then choked. I'm not I'm not you know, of course, I'm not blaming her for getting murdered, but also it's like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like they didn't give us any explanation really for for what she's doing or. I wrote down a list of things that were way too long. Uh, Running from Mask Guy. Um, There was a a section where they were doing like a Lucha Libre introduction. So they watched like a significant amount of wrestling before like they actually did anything. And then there was like a vignette with all the luchadors there with criminal records that had nothing to do with the crime. (laughs) Uh, Which is like, look, there's like 10 of these people who, and it kept going. It just kept going. There's like like, 10 of these people had records and they just interviewed all of them. And they all said, nope, I don't know who that is. Most of the luchadors were, were like, you know, former criminals in some way, or at least most of the ones that we were introduced to. But then they just weren't used again. And after you act, they actually interviewed the MC and were like, oh, you were also used to wrestle, blah, blah, blah. They basically, it, like, it was pretty obvious it was him after that. They, they did, in, they interviewed one guy whose mask matched the fragment that the that had been found at the crime scene early in her hand, ripped off the mask of the person that attacked her. And they were able to say, oh, it matches this guy's mask. And then it turns out that that guy is the son of the MC who is using the same outfit basically and the son of the MC knew about the murders that he did in Albuquerque apparently which is pretty messed up and then didn't say anything I'm to not, the police the MC also then son. shoots his son that was at least that was the parental relationship they had. May or may not have been a son, at the very least kind of a, a mentor mentee relationship, and the guy apparently knew about him yeah. having Well, he at least just, he just said like you, you were looking at her it, the so. same way you looked at those girls suspected. in Albuquerque. Um, which I assume means that he suspected what he did yeah. the whole time, yeah. but wasn't sure, but now was like, oh yeah, it was definitely this dude. Yeah. Uh, and then he like shoots this guy yeah, like casually him. in the locker room, and then this, this is never addressed. Yeah, he shoots this guy. No, well, because they they immediately catch him after he's leaving from having shot this guy. So they don't they don't I don't think we ever see the police with knowing that he that he shot the other guy, right? They yeah, just which found is bizarre because like, why is he even <laughs> and then the episode? came to arrest him and he'd already done it. <laughs> it has no impact on the rest of the yeah, plot at all. <laughs> 
And then this episode in particular has like crazy camera work, shaky cam, zooms, the music is crazy. There's like, they go back to like the, the drum aesthetic over and over again. And it's like, what is this? And it's like, comes across as, um, I want to say like at the very least insensitive. Yeah. To uh, whatever they're trying to, yeah, general Mexican culture. I don't even know, like, I couldn't describe to you what they're trying to portray. Also kind of insensitive to like Lucha Yeah, they made it seem like don't, aren't, don't have a criminal history. Yeah, they made it seem like all Lucha Give any characters that don't history. have a criminal history. Um, and or are somehow <laughs> really involved did. in crime and then like <laughs> and or like ritualistic religion that's bad. Yeah. Yeah. This episode was definitely a little bit unique to me and or not unique unique so far in worst episodes in that I was like yeah this is probably the worst episode of CSI like this is this screams a procedural writer had one thing had had a theme written down on a piece of paper for an episode and then just works from there with whatever else he needed to fill or they needed yeah, to fill. And, and it reason, really shows and it really sucks. like the only person working this case. Yeah. Even though it's like his student it's, that died. Like it's like yeah. a total yeah. conflict of interest. It's, but he's yeah. like the only person working Absolute this case. And at one point he does a police brutality. Though I wrote down, is it does it count as police brutality if it's a CSI doing it? I said CSI brutality question mark. And he beats the crap out of the um the killer. And it's just like it's just a very bad episode. It's a bad episode. It's boring. Everything about it is way too long. Like nothing happens. And then it's like culturally and racially insensitive, at the very least. It, it could be interesting if they examined the aspect of him enabling her investigation that got her killed more, but they don't. They 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 set up yeah. that that was very very really what happened, but he didn't seem too broken up about the fact that he got her killed effectively, or that you know her extremely rich life that where she could have been a really good CSI got cut extremely short because she yeah. just got murdered. I, also say, in the first I don't know how criminal thesis programs work but did she get irb approval for that <laughs> i don't think she did <laughs> i can <laughs> is, I, is yes, IRB a standard that every university has a review follows through um, every public that you university? have to follow okay. the guidelines for and adhere yeah. to in order to conduct your research and i i have to imagine that you can't just essentially do a true crime podcast and go like immerse yourself in a culture and try and solve murders and then that like be admissible in one court and then two to a journal. (laughs) Uh, Both of those things, um, that wouldn't be admissible evidence. And then you have like, generally you need like informed consent to talk to people. And I have to imagine that's still the case for, I think especially the case for uh, criminology or criminal psychology programs because like um those are technically count like criminals technically right. count as like um, protected populations right. so you need additional uh, approvals in order to talk to them yep. in the first place i don't even think that you could I do a probably... criminology thesis on open cases yeah yeah i don't know that you maybe, like maybe them. if you're not trying to solve them yeah, yeah. right discussing them and discussing maybe like oh if this were done today x y and z could yeah have not like studying. probably something you could do right yeah, studying like, studying details about how the case was conducted yeah, not this trying to solve not. the case yourself <laughs> not like i don't that's not a, a, an approved thesis which yeah, to be fair i don't think that he knew she was doing that right 
He, I guess he wouldn't write a thesis. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He's really the, the no, Lawrence Fishburne. Something I thought was really funny is this, the, this woman's <laughs> boyfriend says um, she's been doing a lot of research lately. And I thought that was really I, funny. It's like, does this man not know what grad school is? I, <laughs> not that very relatable as the spouse of a grad Wait, student. Where's she been? I don't know. Doing a lot of research lately. Research. I don't know. Research. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bad episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But now we get to talk about ostensibly the best episode for Warwick, season nine, episode one, which has a nine out of ten on C- on IMDb. Yeah. So um, this is a two-parter. We only watched the second part because yeah. that's how this podcast works, which is fine. We accept that. Um, that's what the previously on is for. Yeah, that's exactly what it's Also me. following up the cliffhanger of a season. Yeah. And so at the end of the previous season, um, Warwick, one of the characters, has been shot yeah. in the neck. Warwick was notable to me because he mentioned in uh, Organ Grinder that his first call as a cop was when that lady shot her husband in the dick. <laughs> I really saw both ends of this guy's career. Uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, he gets shot in the neck in, in an alley by a dirty cop. Dirty cop. Yeah. I, I said evil cop. <laughs> <laughs> Same difference. So the cliffhanger of the previous season is you is you see this cop who had been a character. I think I looked it up. He's in like twelve episodes or something. Who had been a character for that season? Uh, they had been investigating a different cop who was evil. Which you know, I guess I guess just, I should say dirty. Yeah. Evil cop is a somewhat redundant. Um. <laughs> The audience are then aware that this guy is bad. Like they like they know that this guy is the guy that shot Warwick and this guy is blaming the other cop. But yeah. it turns out he's in cahoots with the other cop. I should specify that Warwick had been like in the previous season finale. Because I got this from context clues. And trust me, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I didn't break our system. Yeah. He had been framed uh by this dirty cop for I think a murder. Um and so this dude who had some kind of higher up role uh comes to tell him that he has his job back and that's when he shoots him because he knows that Warwick has found out that it was him that had orchestrated this all along. So he kills Warwick uh, to cover his own butt and then blames it on the dirty cop that everyone already knows about, when in reality there's two dirty cops. Yeah. And Warwick just fucking dies. Yep, Warwick's dead. Like, like, pretty horrifically like, bleeds out in Gil's arms um, in this alley. With with the cop who killed him like, standing over him because he's like, oh, I ran to follow the other guy who I saw leaving the car. And then Warwick is just trying to tell Gil that it was him. Yeah, he, he can't because he got shot in the neck and he can't talk. But then also at the same time, uh, the dirty cop has like his hand on his gun. Like, yeah. you know, if you Ready tell... To shoot Gil. Yeah, if you tell Gil it was me, then I'll just kill him too. Uh, so it's pretty emotional. Um, I thought that it was uh, very dramatic. I feel like a lot of times procedurals don't have the guts yeah. to go for horrific, violent, uh, dramatic character deaths. Like usually it's off screen or just a single shot to the head or something like that. <clears throat> NCIS. Um, but <laughs> uh, criminal minds. <laughs> uh, criminal minds. Um, but I thought that it was like really well done for a you know gut wrenching character. Death. There, there is a moment after when the team finds out Warwick is dead and they're you know investigating and everything back at the lab that uh, a character shows up on screen and Daphne goes, "Oh," <laughs> and I was I I thought this is just a random character I was unfamiliar with not having seen CSI. It was Sarah who was in the last episode or the first episode that we watched and she had shown up because she had already left the show at that point. And Daphne's like, oh, she's back. And I was like, I don't recognize this person. I'm like, oh wait, yeah, I do. I do recognize that person. <laughs> it was really, really an emotional moment to bring back uh, everybody back in the show. Cause I think she and, I think she and Gil are already married at that point and they're estranged. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's confusing. The relationship is weird. I've seen a lot of CSI and I still don't understand it. So yeah. But yeah, so they, they, you know, finally, I mean, it's not a whole lot happens really because it's, you know, most of them just processing that work is dead. And then like, they figure out pretty quickly that the other dude was dirty too. And that he's the one that killed work because of course they did. They're CSIs. (laughs) And you just lied to a team of angry CSIs about like the sequence of events and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, so they catch him and then... And then, um, I mean, yeah, they get them. And then yep. they have a funeral for work at the end. And I thought the funeral was really funny because it was, like, really heart-wrenching. I think something interesting about the show is that I'd say several of the characters are pretty, I'd say, uh, coded for autism. Whereas, like, they have, like, uh, on the spectrum, like, character traits. And so I thought that uh, sh- having them show emotion, like, deep emotion in ways that they usually don't on this show, um, was very powerful for the, the funeral scene. Mm. And I didn't get any of that, so... Well, I think, like, Gil specifically, yeah, I think, Gil, is, is very um, autism-coded. Right. Gil's also very fatherly in a lot of ways, so yeah. it's very... He, he, or the, the acting is very good for Gil. Yeah. I also consider Sarah to be autism-coded. Yeah, I thought I, it was pretty good. Um, once again, we're hitting into the port part where I really can only make my full judgment on the median episode because the best episode just has so much context around it, usually, that isn't really eligible. And ultimately, it feels like this is probably the best episode because season eight likely had the biggest cliffhanger after it, right? So, which led to this being such a, a big comeback, right? During the show's initial run when it still has all of its main cast members, effectively, except for Sarah, who then comes back during the episode, so. I thought it was funny, at one point during the funeral, there's, like, a close-ups of the main cast who are, like, crying, and they're all, like, showing a lot of emotion and very upset. And then you can see, like, as it's panning down, like, the pew, right? In the background, all the, like, supporting cast with, like, vaguely deadpan and bored looks on their face just, like, behind them. And it was really funny to me where you have, like, like Nick is, is sobbing and in the background. You have, like, someone whose name I don't even know, like, just standing, uh, sitting there looking just straight ahead. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny. Yeah. Oh, goodness. But yeah, I like the episode, um, but uh, I would say that it's not super representative of CSI as a whole. Yeah. Seem more more involved emotionally and also guessing you don't frequently see who do- who who done it <laughs> yeah the sort of tools sequence in this one was i think nick just going through the car yeah they shot funny. a couple bullets or they shot a couple guns into like yeah to, to see the trajectory and the plausibility of the evil cop having fired or the shots being fired and gill having not like the timing of it basically yeah. gill having not heard it yeah, for Gil having not heard it, and then also the um, police officer who actually killed Warwick pretending to have heard it, and yeah. if that was like actually possible, cons- uh, considering how close they both claim to have been. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. Warwick. Yeah. All right. Shall we really quickly get into our with the final mini game? All right. So this we're jumping back to another uh, fake episode name or fake episode plots. So I have come up with three episodes and masterfully snuck them into a series of uh, of two other episodes it'll be daphne's job to tell me which one is the one that i made up all right so this first set of episodes i'm gonna read to you we have the episode who shot sherlock greg takes his final proficiency test as he grissom and sarah investigate the possible murder of a sherlock holmes fan nick and warwick work work on a bizarre case where a driver might have been killed before veering off the road Right. Uh, the next episode we have is Who's That Pokemon? Russell and Nick investigate a strange homicide and find that the shots may have come from inside the grounds of a private middle school. Catherine's niece comes to the crime lab for the evening and cannot put down her video game. 
Doctor Who. With the elusive Dr. Jekyll still on the loose, Langston has become obsessing over the case. When a murder victim turns out to be carrying photos of Jekyll's victim, Langston comes under suspicion as he met her just before she was killed. It's gotta be Who's That Pokemon. Yeah, it is Who's That Pokemon. Yeah, who shot Sherlock? Uh, I knew instantly was a real because um, no, because it, it sounded incredibly real. Oh, okay. Uh, just because of, like the the setup and who was doing what where. I was like, I don't think you have an understanding of CSI enough to write a fake one like that. Yeah, that's fair. I mainly went mainly went for the names on that one. <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it though. Yeah. All right. So good work. Definitely got a point there for naming the fake one. All right. My next series here. First episode I have is The Big Shock. Russell faces a deposition in Reno after fatally shooting a suspect related to a U.S. senator. Nick and Julie investigate a death that was captured during the filming of a music video on the strip. Guest star, Ariana Grande. Unshockable. Catherine and Nick try to find out how a member of the band Rascal Flats was nearly electrocuted during a concert, while Ray runs into roadblocks while investigating the death of a retired CIA chief. Guest star, the Rascal Flats. Or Shockwaves. Langston fights for his life after being stabbed by psychopath Nate Haskell. The CSI team investigates a well-orchestrated bombing at the funeral of Officer Franklin Clark. Guest star, Justin Bieber. Oh my god. Oh, this is a very good one. Um, I I had to add the guest star because obviously they weren't like blah, 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 right? Yeah. (laughs) But but the rest of it is intact. It's funny because I'm like, this one's the real one. And I'm like, wait, wait, that's not how this <laughs> game works. I'm trying to figure out which one's the fake one. I have seen one of these episodes. Christy. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm inclined to believe that Rascal Flats is real. Okay. I want to say that it's the Ariana Grande one is the one you made up. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is correct. I made up the Ariana Grande one. I thought I'd throw in there like a like a pivotal moment for Russell because maybe you're like, maybe that's important for him. I don't think Russell does a whole lot on the show. <laughs> no, I thought they, they were all very well written. Thank I think you. the well, like, I only wrote one of them. So. Yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> got me was that um there was like there was a lot of weird stuff for ray to be doing yeah i i, I did know the ray episodes are so dense and stupid yeah yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. although i will I say i do know a lot about nate haskell specifically because that's this that's the murderer uh that langston's whole arc is basically about. yeah yeah so I, I i forgot to see that earlier in the episode by mentioning that i know about this to make you think i could have written but yeah. Anyway. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that yours was poorly written. It was that I didn't think that you would come up with such inane um, Ray bullshit. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, all right. Next, moving on, we have the movies round. Uh, the first one we have is the End Game. The CSI team investigates and faces the Gig Harper killer in a final showdown, during which his true intentions and motives are finally revealed. Nick makes a decision that will impact his entire team. Uh, the next one, Darkest Hour. Langston and the CSI team race against the clock as they realize a dirty bomb was built at the site of a recent murder. And the theory of everything, while investigating a series of unusual deaths, the team discovered that all of the victims are tied together through a strange set of circumstances. It's the theory of everything is the one you wrote. That is incorrect. I, I kept it in there. I looked four places for a better description on this because it's so vague. And I think it's vague because like the way they're connected is yeah. so important. But no, it is not the theory of everything. I wrote Darkest Hour. Okay, because I think I've seen Endgame. Okay, yeah. Fair enough, I guess. Um, I, I was aware that that was a possibility. <laughs> but yeah, I, I had a hard time formatting that because I was like, how do I get the, that there was a murder and then they find find out that there was also a dirty bomb built prior yeah. to the murder, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I wrote I wrote and rewrote this four times. That's a very, I think I've seen that. I think isn't that like a castle episode? And there's a dirty bomb castle episode. I don't know if that's literally what the plot is to it, but like that, that was sort of the inspiration. Yeah, it's a very, uh, it sounds like it could be a CSI episode for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, all right. So that was two out of three. Pretty good performance for you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
some honorable mentions for things I almost wrote. I will say uh, I have five points in case you're wondering. So oh, all together. Yep. So I thought you had more than that. Soaring ahead. Yeah, I mean you're already yeah you're already in a good position for me doing another episode back to back and then you uh, tearing ahead here unless you perform really poorly in the next one. Yeah, which is a possibility, oh, but maybe. it's still CSI, which is still CSI. My zone. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll say I want to say the ones that I almost went with because I went for I tried to find links. Mm-hmm. The first one I found was Living. I have Living Legend, Living La Vida Loca, and Living Doll. Do you know which one I wrote there? Living La Vida Loca. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the other ones I had were All, All That Cremains, All For Our Country, and All In The Family. Which one do you think I wrote? All That Cremains? No, that's a real one. <laughs> that's why I almost did All, because All That Cremains, it's about like cremation being the thing. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And then my last theme was father related. So there's Daddy's Little Girl, Love Dad, and Father of the Bride. That's Love, comma, Dad. Uh, Father of the Bride is the one you made it? I wrote Love Dad. Uh, that was really good. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> All right, well, that's our mini games out of the way. Daphne is currently leading pretty well. She's got five points per, per episode currently, and I'm sitting at three and a half points per episode. I'm a legend. You're a legend. All right, well, let's go ahead and get our final thoughts down. Let's close this case out and move on with our lives. Mm-hmm. So after our discussion, I think I'm going to fully meet you at seven. Not just because it'll make you happy, yeah, but mostly because it'll make you happy. <laughs> Um, well, I think, I mean, talking about it, we did talk a lot about how bullshit um, a lot of the Lawrence Fishburne episodes are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, yeah, maybe I, it can come down a little bit. I have to assume his contract was like, I want to be important in a lot of episodes. And they're like, I guess. <laughs> or maybe they're just running out of ideas. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. I mean, it does seem to be their era of, this is the blank episode. <laughs> yeah. What did we give SVU? Because I feel like I would consider CSI... More bingeable than Law and Order SVU. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, definitely Law and Order SVU. I can't binge Law and Order. Yeah, SVU. yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely more bingeable than Law and Order too, in my opinion. So that's why I would say when the episodes are good in SVU, they're like almost cinematic, and I don't think that's the case for CSI. Totally fair. But at the same time, I do think the CSI is like more generally entertaining than SVU. Yeah. Um. So I would say maybe seven, seven point five. Let's let's go with a healthy seven point two. I think. Okay, seven. Which is the median (laughs) score on the episode. So there you go. (laughs) All right, seven point two. Jotting it down, and let's go ahead and call this case closed. Thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful time. Wait, Hank, uh, what are we looking at next time? Oh yeah, next time uh, we were gonna do CSI Cyber. In fact, I I sourced the episodes for us in order to do CSI Cyber. However, there's only two seasons of it. And there are only going to be two seasons of it. It's already over. And then I just decided that probably wouldn't be a good idea to start with. So instead, we're just going to go jump to CSI's biggest offshoot, much like we did with Law & Order, which is CSI Miami. I love CSI Miami. (laughs) Can't wait. All right. See you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to Procedural Veneration. For feed updates and episode reveals, follow us on Instagram at procedural.veneration. Check out what else we do. Go to www.dank.pizza. Thanks to Jacob Kratulis for the awesome theme. Tough but sexy.